from far west coast liberal whatever epicenter uh los angeles this is scott and from rural far west texas in the desert mountains this is And we're here to welcome you to the Scott and Carl show where we find common ground uh, from different regions in this divided country. So we're glad you're with us. And we correct our mistakes. So do we so start we with, we were talking about the Texas. We start with corrections. Yeah, so I want to go ahead and start with cor- All right, take it away. Out. So being from Texas, you think I'd probably know this, but, uh, and, and I do know it. I just got my names mixed up. So when we were talking about the Texas attorney general last week, I kept referring to him as Dan Patrick. It is Ken Paxton, not Dan Patrick, which my hate for Ken Paxton is just about the same as it is for Dan Patrick. Uh, and and Greg, Greg Abbott for, Dan, that, for that matter. Yes. Dan Patrick is our lieutenant governor. So, you know, I, I might want to be a little more careful calling for Abbott's head because, you know. You follow it all next, the way down. Next in line might be my boy, Dan. All the way down the chain. I feel like you've got some pretty yeah. uh, unsavory characters. In Section 2, though, we will get to the representative who represents McCulloch County, who I was surprised is kind of more of a traditional conservative Republican. And it's interesting. We're going to go over a Q&A of him and his answers to candidate questions. Uh, and it's interesting to see how he kind of tries to ride the line between what I consider a bit, bit more of the extreme right and more of the moderate conservative Republican Party of old. Um, but we'll do that in section two. Section one is corrections and what? Weekly news roundup. What are these articles Let's we're excited them. about? So we will be discussing a little bit of the Confederate flag and New York. You know, Cuomo signing a bill that, that bans the sale of Confederate flags and swastikas from any kind of public grounds. Uh, and we're going to talk a lot about my favorite Congress lady, AOC, and uh, what is she, she believes I, in. Is she your favorite? Well, because I wonder because fantastic. Well, favorite. I think she, she has some crossover appeal because a lot of people that are uh, upset with Nancy Pelosi for being too, you know, political and calculating, um, like people who just kind of are a little bit more forthcoming and straightforward with people like the AOCs and the Bernie Sanders. I feel like he had a huge following because he came out and said, you have a reason to be upset. Both parties have problems institutionally. And here's here's what we should be doing to address them. Of course, they both see many more problems with the Republican Party, but they, they caused Nancy Pelosi some headaches. And being that I know how you feel about her, well, I was that, curious. I'll plot them. <laughs> Well, there's just been some stuff in the past that, you know, AOC's come out and I'm just like totally lost on what she's trying to accomplish. I do I do like her story. I like her background, uh, how she got to where she's at. But I really, really, really like the fact that, you know, she's calling Pelosi out and she thinks the Democratic Party needs to go into a new direction. So mm-hmm. I can't say I disagree with her on that one. I think both parties need to go in a new direction. And did I send that to you? Yes. McConnell finally admitted that Biden is our president. <laughs> and then he gets in trouble by Trump. Of course. But tr- 
So it's funny to see the Republican Party slowly test the waters of going against Trump. Like I feel like well, Mitt, well, Mitt he, Romney. What is he going to do, though? I mean, well, that's he, the, is he, he going to get the Illuminati involved? Or? He has a lot of supporters that they are afraid of that will turn on them. Um, because he has branded himself as an individual candidate who speaks to them directly, and they don't have any allegiance to the Republican Party. Well, then he should have ran on a different platform instead of running the Republican name into the ground. <laughs> he saw an opportunity. I, it's going to be interesting going forward uh, what happens there, because, I mean, Trump doesn't really, I think, care about politics one way or the other. He just likes power. No. And he saw an opportunity. And, he likes the power and the attention. And he saw in the Republican Party that he could get up there and say a lot of the same stuff they were saying and just ramp it up a few notches and turn up the volume on some of the worst parts of the Republican Party and know that the moderates weren't going to hold him, hold it against him. They were going to vote for whoever the right. nominee was anyway. And, and, and I, I think what it boils down to is Trump misunderstood JFK. When he said, ask not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. I think Trump kind of got those a little backwards. Yeah. His, and like you said, right. he saw the opportunity and he took advantage of it. And I'm a Trump guy. I mean, I'm a, I voted for Trump. So and Yeah, we talked about your, <laughs> your changing the feelings towards him and towards the yes. party. Uh, not, I don't know. Uh, the way a lot of the, the party... And people affiliated with the party, their behavior, yes. Uh, do I still think Democrats are socialists? Pretty much. But what is well? What is uh, socialism? That's going to give me a sign. I can see. I can see the look in your eyes right now. Well, I love. I, mean, I that term well, gets like, thrown around so much, and it's like, what? What does socialism does. mean to different people? Well, so the way I look at socialism is when you're wanting. Or when people are calling for free college, everybody gets that opportunity, which is, is a great thing. Everybody should have the opportunity to go to college. But should it be paid for by the taxpayers and the government? No. Well, let me take you down the road of free public education. Is it socialist that we have kindergarten through high school paid for? Yes, <laughs> it is. And that's a bad thing? I would have been a fourth grade dropout, so Yes. <laughs> But I mean, is that a bad thing that we offer free education to kindergarten through high school? And I mean, because if it is free education, it, it, if it if that's the definition of socialism, you know. Well, and, and you're right. And if they would set up a college system the way that the public school system is set up to where because you do you have the choice to go into a private school or a public school or homeschool. So if they could set up the college system that way, by all means, go for it. Uh, I, I do believe that a college education should be a lot less expensive than what it is. You know, it, it's sad when you go for your higher education and then you start your life out $200,000 in debt. Well, yeah, we were talking about that and the student debt problem. So, I mean, I don't know. Uh, I just, as, as far as Democrat, Democratic and Republican, I lean more towards the Republican side. Uh, and a lot of it has to do with the way I was brought up, what the people that I've been around my entire life, their beliefs. Naturally, that will rub off on people. Uh, I haven't had the privilege or the joy, and I'm not saying it's a good, good or a bad thing to live in in a, in, in a big city. And the big cities here in Texas are primarily 
democratic. Uh, you know, if I lived there for a while and was exposed more to it, I may lean a little more that way. But being from small town Texas, where it's majority Republican, that that's just what I was brought up to to be, and that's where I'm at. I yeah. blame my mother. <laughs> Well, it's, it's funny because the whole fault. the whole South used to be Democratic, and the Democratic Party was always Texas like, was Democratic until George W. Yeah, and and I mean a lot of that stuff shifted with the civil rights legislation in the '60s, and just slowly started to change. Um, but the Democratic Party was known as like the working man's party, you know, like tax the rich and uh, subsidize like you know, for farms and workers and union rights. And, you know, let's try to get everybody a living wage and not just like divert it all to CEO money. And I don't know how somehow that got shifted to where even though the Democrats are still trying to tax the rich and still trying to, you know, limit the power that corporations have over our everyday lives with regulation, somehow they still get themselves painted as the party of the elites. And I don't know how that happened. I, it's it's crazy to me. Well, I, because... think bo- <clears throat> I think both parties are parties of the elite. I mean, you know, it, it's the elites that benefit the most from either party. It's not middle class America or the poor or upper middle class. It's it's the rich that benefit the most. And- well, take somebody like a Bernie Sanders or an Elizabeth Warren. And I'd bring up Elizabeth because specifically she wanted the two cent wealth tax on every dollar that you have over, I believe it was a hundred million or 200 something up there of just your assets. Two cents is taxed on every additional dollar past that first hundred million. So to me, that's like a direct 2% tax on the ultra wealthy that in no way benefits the ultra wealthy and if that money gets turned into free health care, free child care, paying, paying off, you know, a large chunk of people's student debt. Um, like, to me, that's the opposite of benefiting the elite. If, if I was looking at it long term, I would make an argument that the elite and everybody at the end of the day would benefit because then they have a more educated, wealthier middle class that then is their customers. But you know, that, like Time Warner would the love it. scared of, though. Is having a bunch That's more, what the elite are scared of. Having a lot more the, customers. The more educated people are. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you, know, you know. Oh, my God. I was let's, just let's reading. Not, let's keep, we were doing, let's keep them dumb, folks. We were doing um, media recommendations for a little while. And last week, I almost wanted to mention it. I read Brave New World, which is Aldous Huxley's book from like the 60s. And this is a book that talks about, you know, it's, one of those dystopian science fiction future societies where people are raised and taught where they need to fit in the social structure and all, and through like hypnosis, they're kind of like, I don't want to achieve anything more. I'm good right here. Exactly. Right. This is perfect for me. And they were designed and they, and they said like, we can't, we have the technology to cut down on their hours at work, but we can't because if they have too much free time, they get like depressed or they, um, they start like thinking about other things outside of the social structure. And it made me think about uh, not wanting, like the, the argument against education, like not necessarily wanting people to be that educated in your society, because it really does become a problem. Right. If you have too many people getting too much education, suddenly you don't have that worker class that's willing to work for absolute minimum wage, or as Republicans would call it, right to work mm-hmm. for pennies, you know, 
you can bust up the unions because everybody's just like scavenging for, you know, will you offer me a dollar an hour? Okay, sure. That's better than nothing. All that to say, uh, yeah. yeah, they're scared of education. <laughs> but, and, I mean, I get it. Lord help us if I ever became educated. Carl, you've, you've made it too far already. We're going to have to, just being on a podcast <laughs> alone, your influence has dangerously grown in the last year. Yeah, so has that Logan Pauls, and that kid's an idiot. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh, I'll have to edit that part out just because <laughs> I don't want him mentioned on this podcast at all. <laughs> I'm going to start bleeping Trump references out, too, because, like, I'm I'm at the point where he's a lame duck president. I almost don't care what he tweets. So, like, you sent that the article about yeah. him criticizing McConnell for acknowledging, you know, like, bravo McConnell for acknowledging a month two months now no almost two months later and it's right. like i don't care what, i don't care what trump has to say about that <laughs> no and, and i don't either i just the reason i sent you that is because we've we've had a few discussions on mcconnell and you know he's finally stepping out of that black and white area and coming over to the gray side and snapping <laughs> back to reality uh he's snapping back to what he thinks is beneficial to him and sure. He, but I'm just I'm just glad he has finally acknowledged it. Yeah. I what did you think about over 100 I think it was like 70% of the US House representatives Republicans re- signed that letter that were like wanted to sign on to the Texas lawsuit uh saying that Trump won the election or the lawsuit that was basically suing other states for voting for Biden basically. Yeah. Uh, more than half. This is ele- this is the party though. This is <laughs> This is what bothers me. It's like, it's not just like he's a Trump came out of nowhere. It's the whole party. It is. And and Trump saw that. Trump saw that this is a party that I could just step into and basically take <laughs> and use to my benefit. Well, and I want to read you something that this is James Wood, the actor. I mean. Oh, and, boy. Yeah, I know. And th- this is how dumb. And I compare these. 70 percent or 70 whoever that voted that way or wanted to join this lawsuit i compare them along the same lines as james wood and he says apparently he tweeted this the left can put whipped cream on shit all they want but 70 million americans are outraged by this befouled election we don't accept this fraudulent result and none of us is inclined to bury the hatchet with a mob that lied cheated burned and looted their way looted to get their way so does that make him and the republicans any better if they're thinking that way because it wasn't necessarily just democrats out there riding and looting and and we we've discussed it It, it, that's those events never should have taken place but here's my argument everybody keeps saying 70 million americans voted for trump well he got 70 million votes 70 million votes well guess what biden got a little bit more than that so get over it, America. I'm a Republican and I have ex- I accepted from that day. Biden was my president. I think you called it before I was comfortable calling it. We had a we had a podcast the night after the election. I think, you know, it was on the Tuesday and we recorded Wednesday night. And I said, it's looking mm-hmm. like Biden's going to going to win. And you Carl was like ready to call it. They didn't they didn't finally call yep. it until Saturday following Saturday because I think nobody wanted to make any mistakes but it's like yeah as 
as you count the votes, that's the story they which, tell. Which I'm, I'm, I'm very excited that Trump had 70 million votes. And I'm very excited that what Biden ended up with was like 72 million, something like that. 74 because at least. Let me look at this. 74? Okay. So it's I'm bigger, excited about that because yeah, that's, that, that's how people – you know, everybody said this is how you you're heard. This is how the everyday average American has their voice heard. So to me, that's encouraging. Even if the outcome didn't come the way that I wanted it to, or you wanted it to, or whoever, it's very encouraging that that many people wanted their voice heard and got out and voted. I agree with that. And as far as the totals, um, Donald Trump got seventy four million which was 46.9% of the vote. And Joe Biden got 81 million, which is 51.4% of the vote. And that is funny enough, the electoral map, I mean, the electoral college is uh, the same numbers that it was back in 2016. The winner got 306, the loser got 232. This time Trump got the 232 instead of Hillary Clinton. And Biden got 306, just like Trump did in 2016. And, tr- so, and Trump back then called that a landslide. He was like 306 to 232. Yeah. That is a landslide. So what'd you say? 74 and 81 comes out to 155. So out of 328 million Americans, 173 million of them voted. Yeah. To me, that's, I mean, that, that's more than half of the country, which it should be more than that. It really should. Well, some uh, of those some of those people are under eighteen. Are and... are underage. <laughs> yeah. well. But still, if you're eligible to vote, you should vote. So I find it very encouraging that 155 million people did cast a vote. Me too. On that note, we're going to take a quick so, commercial break. <laughs> Let me see if this works. See it. <laughs> Let me see if I can stop the recording and then start it again. And I'll insert a commercial break, which will probably not even exist because we have no sponsors. But we'll see what happens here. And we're Look back. <laughs> I so, hope you enjoyed that reading of a Scotch reading of the Pledge of Allegiance. The non-existent advertisement. We're, we're back after absolutely no time. But we are practicing inserting ad breaks in case anybody ever wants to give us money. So moving on, this sounded like it was going to be a bigger topic. Well, did you want to move on to AOC criticizing Pelosi or Cuomo um, signing a bill? Let's let's touch on the Cuomo deal real fast. That sounded like it was going to get into a bigger subject, though, of Confederate flags and statues. Okay. well, then in that case, let's go ahead and do the AOC. So she come out and said that she believes that the Democratic Party needs new leaders. Uh, She said it is time for House Speaker Nancy Pelosi and Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer to go, but warned of a power vacuum that could be filled by nefarious forces who are even more conservative than the caucuses. Current leaders, oh, she said this during during a podcast interview on The Intercept that aired Thursday. She quote, she's quoted as saying, I do think we need new leadership in the Democratic Party. I think one of the things that I have struggled with is I think that a lot of people struggle with it is the internal dynamics of the House 
and my internet is jumping all over the place. Okay. Of the house that has made it such that there are very little options for succession. And I, I think we've touched base on that and about having limits on, on things. Uh, yeah. And Pelosi is not young. I mean, she's 80 years old. She is. I mean, rumor had it that if Clinton won, Pelosi was going to hope was hoping to get a ambassadorship to Italy and was ready to just say peace. Um, but she didn't. And so Pelosi saw it as like the need for a strong, very experienced Democratic leader in the House to try and minimize the damage that she saw upcoming from the Republican Party. And now that that has passed, I do wonder if, if Pelosi's going to kind of look to the next person to take over. But experience can be a bad thing. It really can. Uh, you can become complacent. And when you become complacent and set in your ways, you're unwilling to to see things without blinders on. Uh, so, yeah, yeah I, I'm not always a fan of experience. And I think I... I think that that's what AOC is pointing out here, too. And also, though, that, you know, when you get rid of a leader like Pelosi, it does create a power vacuum. And I I appreciate that she says something to the effect of like there are dangers involved, too. You don't just topple your leaders and then see what happens. She's very wary of the fact that like Pelosi's in there and she's doing a decent job, you know, depending on your politics. But she's but if you you know, if you vote her out, somebody's going to step into that that role and. And AOC says, you know what? I'm not ready for that that role yet. I've only been here for two years. So it's not like she's trying to get the job either. Um, no, and, and I applaud her for coming out and, and saying this because, one, this is your party that you're, you're speaking of. So that takes some balls. Uh, is she going to catch backlash from, you know, the so-called experience that's there and that, that is complacent and set in their ways? Or this, this newer way of thinking like she has – are they going to come around and support her? So I'm very curious to see where this leads. Well, maybe you'll have something to say about this because um, the big rift in the Democratic Party right now is about the more uh, progressive wing and the more conservative wing, the moderate wing, I guess you would call it, the centrist Democrats. And this um, is kind of like where AOC runs into the electability question of, you know, middle America isn't ready for slogans like defund the police, you know, like, no. And, and some of the more moderate uh, Democrats like Abigail Spamberger is one of the, uh, one of the house members who spoke out and said, I nearly lost my election because my opponent accused me of being a defund the police Democrat. And it doesn't matter that I never said that and I'm against it. But just because there are other Democrats saying that, um, we had a ton of House members lose their seats because you're just giving the Republicans fodder to attack you in these more moderate places where that is not popular. Um, and I don't know, like like just hearing that, Carl, you were you would that be effective in in Texas if somebody was running an ad that says this Democrat wants to defund the police? And even though they hadn't said it, and they've even come out against it. They're in the party with AOC and some other people who do like that slogan because it speaks to their constituents. And what do you do? <laughs> well, I, I think, and we've we've gone over it. Research people. Don't believe everything you hear. Don't believe everything you see. Research. If you want to know uh, a candidate's true feelings on something, research them. 
uh, leading up to this election, I heard ads left and right out here of Tony Gonzalez and MJ Hager. And, you know, positives and negatives, bashing each other. Bashing, and it was just, I took it with a grain of salt. Uh, there, there's good and bad in every candidate. I don't think anyone, well, I don't think anyone should, and I'm not going to say they don't, but I don't think anyone should believe everything about a certain candidate uh, that they're in favor of. It's not all good. And who is Tony Gonzalez? I hadn't heard that name before. I haven't heard it until I come to work out here and heard his radio ads. Oh, okay. (laughs) Is he a Republican? Yes. Okay. But the the commercial bashing was talking about him, you know, he wanted to, make sure that if you had pre-existing health conditions, you could not be insured, which I don't think anybody in America is for that because we're not a healthy nation. Mm-hmm. There's something wrong with probably just about everybody, whether we know it or not, and whether we feel healthy or not. So, you know, if I'm hearing that and that's all I'm hearing and I don't do the research on him and, and he could be for that. I don't know. I didn't do any research on him, but. Cause he's not on it, your ballot. He's right. not, yeah. So, so if I do hear that, that's that's going to pers- and I don't do the research. It's going to persuade me to am I going to vote for him or am I not? Because say I lose this job and I lose my benefits and I have to go out and get private insurance, I can't get it because I have high blood pressure. You know, so just just research it, and it, it's not hard. We we spend enough time on a daily basis on the internet and on social media. It's not going to take 10 minutes out of your day to research something, do the homework. And I think the problem is that when you do research and you find out that that ad wasn't quite correct, although in this case, the way that Republicans are trying to repeal the Obamacare and the protections for pre-existing conditions, I feel like it is pretty genuine to say he's getting rid of protections. (laughs) Protections. Because they'll say things like, no, no, no. You can still get health care if you have pre-existing conditions. And it's like, yeah, nobody's saying you don't have the opportunity to go buy it, but it's going to be a ton more expensive because now they can charge you a different rate than they charge everybody else. And the whole point was yes. existing conditions are you can't deny people based on that and you can't jack up their rates based on that um, to some yeah. unaffordable level, which basically means you can't get insurance. If, you're, if your premium is going to be $1,000 a month, then that's basically you can't get insurance for with the pre-existing condition or 2000 or, you know, whatever. Yeah. I mean, you're going to have to choose between your home or insurance and people are going to choose their home. But like Tony Gonzalez would say, Tony Gonzalez would say, no, you can still buy insurance with pre like, I'm not keeping people from being able to buy insurance if they have pre-existing conditions. I would never do that. It's It's like, okay, well, what are you doing though? You're going to jack up the rate. (laughs) Yes. you're preventing them from getting insurance because I, yeah, I mean, you're doing it without actually doing it. So it's like, he'll say, well, technically they can, but, um, but I think that when, when you, when you hear something and then you do the research and you find out that that ad was wrong, or if a candidate says something and you find out that it wasn't really like, they're not telling the whole truth or it's kind of like a little fib or an outright lie. In many cases, those candidates never see like the repercussions from that they never the problem is we don't hold them accountable when they when they 
lie about stuff. So they can run a campaign ad that's very misleading, or they can respond to a campaign ad and say that, no, 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 he's lying about me. I, I don't feel that way about pre-existing conditions. And people don't, they don't get in trouble for it. So why not lie, I guess? We have to hold hold candidates accountable when they lie. Because, I mean, I feel like it's pretty bipartisan to say that the truth should matter. Yeah, well, it should. And you're right. I mean, we don't hold anyone accountable. Hold your media uh, accountable. If you read an article or you or somebody says something to you on television or on the radio and you say like, well, that's wow, like that's surprising. I'm going to look into that. And it turns out to not be true. But you keep watching the same show and reading the same news source and listening to the same guy on the radio. Then that's you're asking for more bad news. Like you're asking for more. Fake more news. Yeah. So. Part a lot of it is on us, man. If we keep going back to the well, knowing that there's misinformation that's being delivered to us, I mean, right? This goes this goes back to not being educated, mm-hmm. and it happens on the left too. I will say, I think it happens a lot less. But there were some people when Trump first got elected that were talking about like this evidence is in the bag. There's this conversation that was happening, um, and there are in, indictments. I mean, there ended up being a lot of indictments, but. Like Trump is going to he's indicted right now and he's going to be getting arrested in the next two weeks. And like when I would read stuff like that, I'm thinking that's a big, bold news story. You're telling me right now that Trump is going to be arrested the next couple. OK, OK, let's see. And no, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, U.S. presidents have been arrested. And- so, you know what? I'm looking at that source a little differently. And I'm thinking, I don't think I'm going to go back and listen to this person when they tell me something about this again, because I think they're just going for clicks. Well, and kind of like the, this going into this Cuomo deal, the headlines, headlines are very, very misleading. And, and a lot of it is for clickbait, because that's just where we're at in society now is, oh, if I can get 100,000 clicks, then, you know, I'm going to get noticed. And that's the headline so, writers a lot of times aren't the the same as the writer of the article. And sometimes the 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 right the author of the article will complain that their headline that was written for their article was very misleading. But I got to give Fox News some credit here. The one we just read, AOC says the this is the headline. AOC says Pelosi Schumer need to go, but warns of Democratic power vacuum. To me, that's that's basically what the article said. That's a decent headline. Absolutely. But then we go over to the New York Post. Where the headline is Cuomo signs bill banning sale of Confederate flags. And of course, I'm going to click on that because that sounds like some authoritarian state that's telling you you can't buy these buy some sort of flag. And it's like, no, that's just exactly on uh, state grounds like state fairs. Right. And the thing about it is, is people are going to read this headline and they're not necessarily going to be like you or I. They're not going to read the article it's just they're going to get pissed off and then they're going to spout off on and share it and bitch and rant and and then the next person's going to see it and they're going to do the same thing and, and that's how it gets spread like wildfire but he's banning it from being sold on public grounds he's not saying you can't buy one he's not saying you can't have it in your store you right. have your whatever store is that's your private store you can't be set up out on the state capitol selling Confederate flags, no. But and and when we touched on this, kind of going over it when I thought we were recording earlier, <laughs> kind of lost my fire a little bit. Damn it! Well, you but. had too much fire, Carl. I had to dampen it a little bit. 
Well, you were talking about the symbol, like, because this article, the, the, the reason that he's doing it is because he considers it to be a symbol of hate. So along with the swastika and, you know, other now, hate symbols, right. the Confederate flag the, is being banned. And, and to me, the swastika, that's a hate symbol through and through. Hitler wanted that perfect race. And that was the symbol of Nazi Germany. So to me, yes, that is a hate symbol. I don't necessarily consider the Confederate flag to be a hate symbol. I don't. And what does the Confederate flag when, okay, when it first was designed, what did it stand for? And what does it stand for today? Well, but that's the thing is regardless of what it stands for today, it's what people have made it out to be. They've made it out to be a hate symbol. Uh, and I don't necessarily think it was. I mean, they, here we go. What are you reading off of? Are you Wikipedia <laughs> well, it up? No, this, this is on history net. It's called the headline of this is called the embattled banner, the true story of the Confederate flag. And I will shoot this over to you real quick, or I'll put it on the notes. All right. Let's see there. Well, I don't know why it did it that way. Hold on. There we go. So did, did it show up on your notes? I, I, I found it. I just Googled it. Okay. So the symbolism of the flag is simple and straightforward. It represents the Confederate side in the war. I think your knowledge is a little, little bit of dead air time because we're both going into something and just now <laughs> doing a little bit of research. The flag as we know it was not born as a symbol, but a very practical banner. The commanders of the Confederate Army in Virginia, then known as the Army of the Potomac, sought a distinctive emblem as an alternative to the Confederacy's first national flag to serve as a battle flag. So, yes, the South was fighting to be able to keep their slaves, and that flag did represent them. So I guess, in a sense, if I look at it that way, I can see where it could be considered kind of the same as the swastika. It can be considered racist because they were trying to continue slavery. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, that's how I see it. I can, I mean, I can understand how growing up in our generation, we would look at it and think think of it differently because we associate it with like, ah, oh, like Leonard Skinner or like your uncle's belt buckle or you know, like it's just sort of like a Southern pride kind of flag. But that's because. Yeah. A couple generations ago, they didn't really treat it like it was the battle flag for the Confederacy, and they made it so ingrained into Southern society that it now it seems like it's really part of the Southern the Southern pride. When I don't I don't think the South has to be proud of the Civil War. I feel like they could say, "Our bad," like let's move on. But <laughs> no, and I, and I I agree with you hundred <laughs> percent. But I feel like they never wanted to say, like, oops, that was us. That was our mistake. Instead, they're like, let's put up a whole bunch of statues after the fact of the war heroes. Let's name well, a bunch of schools after the fact. And then let's also fly this flag everywhere because we are not going to admit that we were wrong. <laughs> do you think that as time goes on, we can outgrow that? Because, and to me, it's kind of like when I was saying just now with why I'm a Republican. I mean, when these, these, these older generations, our grandparents and our great-grandparents, that I'm not saying mine in particular, but that generation, there is a lot of racist people out there that went to school before segregation uh, and were against the segre uh, segregating schools. 
So to me, are you know they're the ones that carried it on for so long and refused to change because they experienced a lot of that firsthand. But how much of their beliefs have they instilled in their kids and then their grandkids and then their kids? And it's kind of one of those things where you're, you're raised that way. Yeah. And, and, I think- I, and, I, and I'm not making excuses for them at all and saying just because you're raised to believe this makes it okay. Well, at the end of the day, we're all people and we all deal with the influences that we've had for our lives. And I do imagine that they grew up in a very different time and were taught very different things than we were. Mm -hmm. And so for them to be a little racist, I mean, racism is never good, but I like I can sort of understand if you're brought up in it, just being if every generation could be a little less racist, you know, it's like the starting point is what you were taught as a kid. And if you could just keep toning it down and I mean, well, because it, it, it goes back to accountability. At some point, everybody becomes at that age of accountability to where they know right from wrong. And if you, for some reason, believe that to hate somebody because of the color of their skin is okay, something is absolutely wrong with you. I, I just, I do not understand how anybody can hate somebody because of the color of their skin. It's not even that, though. I don't, it's, it's I don't the, understand it. It's the feeling of supremacy over that person. It's the feeling that because of your race, you are better than they are. So then you look at them not with hatred necessarily. I mean, you hate the fact that they're in the same space as you and you feel like you're of a different class. And and that's where the real dangerous thing is, is the, just the feeling of supremacy to look at them as not a fellow citizen, not is, just another person like you. That, but, but does that fall? And this is an actual question. Does that fall? more under the lines of prejudice or racist i i mean i i don't know that the two are that it doesn't have a little in both camps it's like it leads to you being prejudiced it leads to it like if you look down on them and say this race is not as great as my race then you're less you're more likely to practice prejudice you're less likely to hire them you know you're more likely to skip over them and not talk to you know it results in a lot of racist behavior i don't know where right. you, where you draw and, the line between the two but i feel like they it's right it's a very very thin line between the two uh and and it took me a long time when this so-called white privilege started coming out and i would hear people say and i'm I'm, i'll be honest i've said it what privilege do i have i've worked for everything that i have but i sat down and i listened to a couple of guys talk about it and i absolutely see it there is a white privilege and what made me open my eyes and realize it, and this was a white guy talking about it, saying a black guy gets pulled over by the cops, he has to do everything by the book because there's already that preconceived notion from the from the officer that he's a gang member or he's this or he's that versus just a, a white guy in a dress shirt and a tie. That cop's probably not going to, he's going to be a little more relaxed just because that guy's white and that's where white privilege comes in. And it, I mean, it's sad yeah. that we even have that. Some of the best people I know are African-American. Well, and I want to take African-American back because that's a word that I hate. I hate African-American. I hate Mexican-American. We're Americans. That I don't, I don't consider myself Norwegian-American or Irish-American, wherever my ancestors came from. No. I was born and raised in the United States of America. I'm an American. So are you. So this whole 
African-American, Mexican-American. I think that needs to be dropped. What is Now, the... if, if you come from that country to the United States, sure, call yourself that. Yeah, but... and I, I mean, I feel like I'm fine with whatever you would like to call yourself, I'm fine with. So I know that some, typically I feel like black is kind of like the catch-all. And then some people who, who have more of a direct But, but some direct people descendancy. are offended by saying black. I mean, I, I guess it depends on your tone or something, but I, I just try to make an effort to call somebody what they want to be called. And so, you know, if I actually I call them by their name, if I know their name, yeah, I know their name, but if you're, you know, you, we have different classes of people, different types of people. And I, I do feel like you need a way to refer to them somehow. So I guess, I don't know. I just, I just have a problem with that. I mean, <laughs> if we all wanted to, to, if, if we're pushing towards equality and everybody being treated the same, then why stereotype blank American? Well, if, I would if we're say truly equal, then we're Americans. We can, you know, be, I've never heard African Germans. We can be treated there, there's the same. There's black people in Germany, I'm sure. I wonder what they call black people in Germany. I feel like they call them black people, probably. <laughs> but, I mean, they don't call them African Canadians. You know, it, it's... Yeah, and I see what you're saying. We all want to be treated the same, but I feel, and this is just my personal belief, until we can get to a point to where we're not stereotyping what we call people, then we're never going to treat everybody equal. We're never going to treat your neighbor as your other neighbor. But, I mean, if it came down to something, and, we it doesn't mean we need to all be the same. We don't need to all have the same name. We don't know the same way that we differentiate people by hair color or eye color. That's how it should be. Like I could be a blonde and there's a brunette and there's somebody with black hair and there's somebody with purple hair. And it's not, it doesn't come with this bag of hatred and racism based, but we can, I could still, we could look at each other and acknowledge the fact that there's a term that identifies one of the differentiate the different features that we, that we have. We shouldn't base everything off hair color either, you know, but we should have a way of acknowledging it. Yes, I, I don't know. I mean, I just I don't know. That's like whenever I hear people I'm say lost. like like I don't see color. I'm like, well, you don't have to not you? see color. Like you could see color. Like, <laughs> yeah. No, you're you're right in that aspect, and and I get what you're trying to say. I just that, that that's what I believe, and I I don't think we're ever gonna we're ever gonna get to where we need to be by by doing that because i promise you the ma- the majority of the black americans have never been to africa so why are you calling yourself an african-american why do we call them african-americans to I mean, me the- that's to me that's derogatory to towards them to me that's no better than the n-word well if they feel a strong connection to their african heritage i feel like if they want to be called well, african-american but some people and, really do lean into their German heritage, and some people lean into their Irish heritage, and they're like, "Right, they're they're all the ones that fly the swastika and the Confederate flag." <laughs> I mean, if somebody's like, "I am an Irish American, and I really like, I celebrate all those holidays, and I have all you know St. Patrick's Day, I'm out there, man." I don't know if you want to call yourself oh, I get that. It. And, and there's and there's nothing wrong with with celebrating your heritage, nothing at all. Uh, I had a cousin that he passed away and. I guess it's been about eight years. He was a few years older. I mean, he was that cousin that I looked up to that introduced me to rock music. Uh, no offense to you, but probably one of the greatest guitar players I've ever heard. And he was just, <laughs> you know, he's your older cousin. He's cool. 
<laughs> I wouldn't expect to even be I, in that conversation. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, I, I kind of, I personally always had this, I mean, it obviously wasn't my first funeral to go to, but I've always had this, I don't want to say fear, but this weird thing about visitations. I, I don't like to see, especially people that I love. Oh yeah. I don't like I don't like to see him in a casket. Well, his mother made me go in there with her and the lining of his casket. And, and he was a very, 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 very proud of his heritage, which was German. And the lining of his casket was a Confederate flag. And I will say he was probably one of the most racist people I've ever known in my life. Did it mean I loved him any less? No, but the difference between him and I and me and a lot of other people that have older family members that they looked up to like this is I was smart enough to sit, sit, to step back and look at the situation. That's not me. That's not the path I want to go. I don't hate you because of your color. And as it, weird as this might sound growing up in Brady, Texas, I thank God for it at that time because I had black friends. I was young, you know, when he tried to distill all this hate onto me and what I should feel and I had black friends so I knew it was wrong and I wasn't going to start hate by black friends just because my cousin wanted me to Mm -hmm. because he thought it was a cool thing to do but he was 30 probably 31 32 years old he went to his grave but that's the way again that's the way he was raised and he was he wasn't the only child but there were 19 years between him and his little brother so he was basically an only child yeah. And, you know, they, they didn't make him go to school. They homeschooled him. So that's the only thing he knew. And and I hate the fact that he didn't get to get out and learn more because even when he became an adult, he worked with his dad and they were doing construction and they would travel. They'd stay in the same RV. So he never was able to branch away from it. Yeah. And it sounded like the Confederate flag meant something, had a racist connotation to him, the way that he interpreted that flag. Well, and I don't necessarily know if it was the flag, but I know it had to do with Southern pride, like you were discussing earlier. Or just how those two things, some people want to combine those two. They want Southern pride to include the Confederate flag. And to me, one of the most proud things the South could do is acknowledge that the Civil War was a huge mistake and move on and move into the 21st century and be like, yeah, we don't want this around anymore. We want like... We want to look towards the future and that this, right. this it, is a symbol of on another, this is a symbol of, of a, like a huge stain on our legacy. And let's not like, let's, let's remember it. It's historically, it's something you keep in museums and you acknowledge that, yes, this is the flag that the Confederate side fought under. These are the generals that were, you know, that were fighting on that side, but that you remember them in history books and you remember them in museums. You don't remember them on pedestals in every park and in the schools that your next generation attends and learns in and flying on in all these various places around town. Like that's not leaving it in the past. That's trying to prolong it. And that's where I sort of disagree with, with the use of the Confederate flag in those situations. And I agree. So on that, let's take another commercial break. We'll be right back. hey well we're back from from commercial break and i do i am drinking something that was in the garage and it was 
aging. Do you re- do you recognize this Deep Ellum IPA? Yes, I do, and it. Oh man. Uh oh. Not an IPA fan at all. On the IPA. Hey, oh, this one got shaken. Finally, finally, Scott made the beer sound on the show. I'm, I'm proud. On the IPA spectrum, first, this beer must have been shaken at some point. This is almost a two-year-old beer. It's been sitting in the garage. But Ooh. this is a less hoppy, kind of sweeter, more syrupy IPA. I would put it on par with the Dogfish Head 90, which is one of those top-level IPAs. I just I, this is welcome I, to Beer Talk with Scott and Carl. That would probably be a hit. I feel like the first half of the show is heavy, so we need to lighten it up with a little beer talk. <laughs> I'm drinking a beer from our future sponsor, Coors Light, which mm-hmm. hey, it might not be hard to get the Deep Ellum Brewing Company to uh, sponsor us. There any are brewery. local. There are a million breweries, well, great, great breweries in Texas. There was one. I was restaurant sitting in Dallas for a little while uh, last summer and uh, 2019 and the Pegasus brewery was donating beer to the restaurant uh, to have outdoor game nights and stuff. So I was, I was having quite a time calling bingo numbers, sipping on a wonderful Pegasus brewing pale ale, or uh, they had, they had great beers across the spectrum. They don't have an IPA. So Carl, you might like them. Because the brewmaster, the brewmaster doesn't like IPAs. And he was like, I don't like them. And I know everybody else does, but I don't like them. So I'm not going to make a beer I don't like. I'm going like, to disappear res- for about two seconds. He's like, I respect you, sir. I mean, I, I'm still talking, but. Uh, Always talking. Dang. Sorry, I had to check a football score. <laughs> we, this is Texas. We love our football and state championship game started today. So. Exciting times. All right. Yes. So if any listeners are still with us, we are going to imagine a world here where the uh, candidate for Texas representative of McCullough County, this is state representative district 19, but this could be any district in your area. Um, it's curious to see what positions they take and whether you could get through there with taking different positions. So let's say if Carl was running against Mr. J.D. Sheffield, you would probably run against him in the primary because you are a, would be coming from the Republican Party as well. And you would say, look, you're a Republican. I'm a Republican. I think I can do a little bit better than you, which is basically what AOC did two years ago. She said, you're a moderate Democrat and you're in New York. And this constituency is much more progressive than you are. I'm going to run and take your seat, which is why she's now a in Congress, and she better represents her district, which is not you know totally centrist or moderate. And we need representatives who represent their district. Let's see if he represents McCullough County. So he has a the summary. As I scroll down, it's funny they give him a nineteen percent liberal rating, eighty one percent conservative rating. Sure. Um, okay. So he there on the questionnaire, you get to go from strongly agree to strongly disagree. And I notice a pattern from him, and I, maybe this is. This is because we like to see our politicians take strong stances one way or the other. But he is very much strongly this, strongly that, no middle of the road. Um, There's some of these I was like, uh, I would just agree, not strongly agree, but I agree. Or I just like could even be neutral on some of these. But all right. Congress should repeal the Affordable Care Act, Obamacare. Where does Carl stand on this? I agree. 
do you he strongly agrees well i'm gonna cut this strongly disagree and strongly agree out well tell me either agree or you don't but i do think there could be like there's a little gray area and i and i i like to think that if you say agree it's because you're not just here to show up and get rid of it no matter what you're here to hopefully find a better replacement okay so, so we'll go for that. So I'm going to go with just a regular old agree. Should we just nullify it? No. Let's dig into it and see how we can make it better and then change it. But you don't necessarily have to get rid of it because having insurance is a good thing. So, I, I mean, I, I do not like the fact that if you don't have insurance because you can't afford it, you're going to get fined. Well, I that's think already that's gone. just acid That's already Thank gone. God. <laughs> um, but I think we need to find ways to make it more affordable still. Yeah, but that wouldn't be repealing it. That would be improving it. Well, that's what I mean. Uh, and you to want me, to repeal that, it to change it, not necessarily abolish it. But hmm. See, I would almost, I would say disagree, but I would have the same exact explanation. I would be like, Congress should repeal a Affordable Care Act. I disagree. I think we should improve it. I think we should make it better, but don't start from scratch again when it's done a lot of things no, that no, a lot of people are not. depending on. Well, to me, repeal means get it out of here. And some people do feel that way. And I, that's one of those questions that I wonder if like day one, you show up and, you're, and they ask you, are you going to repeal Obamacare? And you say, well, actually, and they're like, done. You're done in McCullough County. <laughs> Pretty much, yes. <laughs> uh, election wow. number two. Wow. Election. Okay. <laughs> Election of judges by the people for a definite term of office is the best way to select judges. So directly selecting judges. We had a lot of judges on our ballot here in California, too, because we directly uh, select them. And I don't know them. And a part of me was like, should I be choosing the judges or should somebody else be choosing judges? Because I don't know any of these people. Again, I think I'm going to agree, strongly agree with him Mm -hmm. because... I think you open up the doors for corruption if they're just appointed. Uh, do, Fair point. Do research. Yeah. And I mean, you know, do research. And, and what's fun? What's and look at their track record. And the reason I wanted to. Because a lot of them. Sorry. Oh, uh, the but, reason I wanted I mean, to do this too was because a lot of these are bipartisan. It, like they're not polarizing issues. Because, like I said, in LA, we have direct election of judges. And here's a Republican saying he strongly agrees with it. You strongly agree with it. I guess yeah. I do. I. Again, I would be like regular just, old agree. Uh, I mean, I'm going to go, like I said, I'm going to strongly agree with this one just because of the simple fact of corruption. Uh, I've watched a couple of documentaries about corrupt law enforcement and <laughs> here lately. And well, we'll get up to that at the end of the show about what we should, should what we recommend to watch. And, but yeah, I mean, I just, I just think the people should have to say so. All right. And all right, we got to we got to blow through these. Government should enforce okay. laws designed to protect the border and to prevent illegal entry into the country. Where are you at? Because I don't see that one. Oh wait, did oh, I skip you one? one? Oh no, sorry. Oh, I skipped yes. one of the most important ones. Hold on. Well, let's do that one first, and then I'll go back up. <laughs> the, okay. <laughs> so government should enforce laws designed to protect the border. To oh, I strongly agree. Yeah, I do but too. You have to enforce the laws legally. Yeah. Like, I agree with this and and um, should enforce laws designed to protect the border and prevent. Yeah, I feel like that's an easy yes. Um, number that's, three. I mean, yes, that's just common sense. Yeah. 
but that's one that you would yeah i don't know i'd be curious i should have i wish there was like a democrat that i could pull up that ran for office in mccullough county i'd be curious to see how they answered these same questions maybe we can find one of those or the listener can find them all right one of the most important ones (laughs) well they run for office i assume they have to fill out these questionnaires uh more restrictive gun control laws are needed to protect public safety strongly disagree (laughs) i uh strongly agree but that doesn't mean that you're going to go all out and take everything i agree that more restrictive gun control laws are needed and those gun laws would be taking away assault weapons assault rifles like with large magazines no it's not the no use for anybody and it causes more harm than good you can still defend yourself with handguns and shotguns and whatever else Yes, yes, you can. But here, here's the deal. So I'm gonna go two different, two different arguments with this. Oh boy, I'm getting ready for it. So the the first one, and and you should know this from from your parents living out in Placid, the feral hog problem. And you know, I got me one this weekend, but I had you know just a single shot, and there was about eight. You shot a hog this weekend? I did. I'll send you pictures after. Oh my gosh. About a 250-pound hog at that. Well, I was deer hunting, and the son of a bitch come up to the feeder when the feeder went off, and no deer going to show up for the hog there, so I had to shoot it. <laughs> if but, it's questioning so, the, uh, what, rural Texas bona fides co- <laughs> of our co-host Carl, he was out shooting hogs last weekend. <laughs> <laughs> so, but my, my better argument, in my opinion, and... I kind of, you and I touched on this a while back, and I was kind of agreeing with you a little bit. But then I actually talked to some folks about it, and they made me come to my senses. So you're going to ban these assault rifles for you and I to just go out and purchase legally. They're still going to be obtained illegally for purposes that they shouldn't even be used for. So why should I not have the legal right to obtain that weapon to protect myself against that same weapon if needed you know i could have a nine millimeter handgun but it's not going to do shit if somebody's got a ar that's just bam 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 with large magazine so well that's part of the problem no, I when people say with that. well when when people say there's not a difference between an ar-15 and a handgun and you're saying there is a difference between those two right oh there is there's, there's a huge, a huge difference. yeah and to me that's part of the issue why we want to ban this gun, which is so easy to shoot a lot of people in one short amount of time. And this other gun, which, yeah, you could kill people with it. But really, if you walk into a classroom with it, you're you're going to be much less of a threat. Um, so anyway, big difference between handguns and AR-15s, first of all. Because one of the arguments that we run into is them saying, like, handgun is a semi-automatic, just like an AR-15. It's practically the same thing. So why are you trying to ban one and not the other? It's that not being, the same. Okay, that being said, so this because, much this because much of the magazine size, magazine size, bullet velocity, it tears through your mm-hmm. body the way that a handgun doesn't. Um, yeah. Anyway, uh, you could say any any law, anything that's illegal, some people are still going to be able to get their hands on it. What you're doing, yeah, does that mean that you shouldn't have a law to begin with because some people are going to break that law? No. In this case, I can totally see you being worried about a criminal acquiring an AR-15 and you not having an AR-15. Most people don't have AR-15s right now, and they're illegal. So you're a criminal... Fixing the, you're, a, fixing, you're, 
you're fixing to come home for a week. You're going to find out that a lot of people do have ARs. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. I don't know if they are they just going to hand me one at the Texas border. Well, you know, that's something I would push for as president <laughs> of the United States. Uh, but. I feel like a lot of uh, criminals would not have AR-15s if they were illegal. They're much more difficult to acquire if they're not at every gun shop across the state. And they, you actually have are. to buy it like contraband illegally crossing the border. Suddenly the price for those things goes way up. And I don't think I don't think as many criminals as, as you think are going to have them. And then if you do catch somebody with one, now it's a criminal offense and you can go ahead and arrest that guy. If, you know, if he's using, if he's planning some sort of a heist or I don't know, if the cops want some reason to question this guy and he has an AR-15 sitting there, there's your arrest warrant. Find out what he's up to. Anyway, I think. Well, I, I hear what, I hear what you're throwing down, but I'm not picking it up. <laughs> I think <laughs> so. Well, one. Well, I'm just gonna have to agree to disagree with you on this one. One thing I think we can agree on, though, is if they were illegal in the state, fewer criminals would have them. No, no, not a single. I, if it's if it's that much more difficult to get one, the same number of criminals as when they're legal are gonna have them. But but here's the thing about it: you can always alter a gun to make it a semi-automatic or. You can take these semi-automatics and alter them to make them fully automatic. So anybody with any kind of knowledge on guns is going to be able to figure that out. If you can turn your handgun into an AR-15, then you have earned the right to own it, to keep it. (laughs) (laughs) Moving on to the next question. Uh People, I didn't expect a, any headway on that one, but that was interesting. And yes. I'm happy about you getting that hog, too. Oh, me too. I'd rather got a deer, but... Are you eating bacon for the week? Oh, no, no, no. You don't eat these. These are disgusting. There's nothing you can do with that meat? It's just all tough? I have been told that if they weigh from about 50 pounds to about 130, 140, if you trap them and feed them corn for a couple of weeks, then... They're okay to eat. At that but point, though, they, they that. know something's up. They know that right. you got, you're planning something. They're like, I've never I mean, been treated this well. I'm suspicious. And, and they're mean. I mean, they're vicious. Uh, the one that I killed was probably, say, 250, 260. So he was past the point of being edible. And, I mean, they stink. I, I just, I wouldn't advise eating a feral pig. All right. I'll 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 cross that off the list I mean, of, I, thing, of things to do while I I'm in Texas. Could. Yeah, I mean, I guess you could, but... All right. Next on the list, people should be able to vote without photo identification. I'm with him. I strongly disagree. It's like... (laughs) I see where he's coming from, but if you can verify that not everybody has photo identification, if you want to require that, you it's your job as the state of Texas to make sure everybody has photo identification, then you can require it. Sure. And, And... Maybe not photo. I, you, you should have some form of identification, but I think, again, if it's not a photo ID, how do you know that's actually the person voting? Well, the thing is, they have a list of everybody who's an eligible voter who is registered to vote in that district. Mm-hmm. And once that person votes, they're taken off. It's like on the list. You have voted. No. You don't get to vote again. Check. Like, this person voted. Okay, but what if somebody gets... the like they know i'm gonna go out and vote republican 
and a Democrat dude that's corrupt gets there before I do with some form of identification that's not photo ID before I do, claiming to be me, and then goes and votes for the other party. Now, I feel like, so what do you have to show when you get there? What do I have to show when I get there? I just say my name, my address, and I feel like if that happened more often, you would have people complaining. Like Carl would be saying, I got there to vote, and they told me I couldn't vote. So then what would happen is you would fill out a provisional ballot, and they would have to check later on which one's the real Carl. It would be you. The other vote would get thrown out. I don't hear about that happening often. I'm sure it does happen, but I think it's rare enough because then the other guy is kind of on the hook for having committed voter fraud. Right. I just think it's it's a smoother system with a photo identification. Yeah. And if everybody had photo ID, then, I would then be, there's no doubt I would be in favor of it. But as long as there are but, not, but, the major, not the majority of your voters, but so many of your voters don't have photo ID, then you're basically just disenfranchising well, but that, that, That's what I'm trying to figure out is, is why would you not have a photo ID? Anybody without a driver's license. If you can get just a photo, uh, just an identification card. You have to, what do you have to do? I mean, if you go that route, why does my passport have to have a photo on it? Why does your passport have to have your photo on it? Right. Uh, So they know that it's me trying to get into another country. (laughs) Serves the same purpose. Oh, it definitely helps with identifying people. I'm not going to argue there. Except for mine looks more like a mugshot. If, uh, If flying on an airplane was a constitutional right, and they were saying you have to have a passport or you have to have this ID to, to fly, then it would be a little bit more challenging. But I guess it's something like your right to vote depends on you acquiring this this ID card. And the state's right. not just going pro- to provide it for you. I feel like the state could work no. harder to provide it for you. Yes and no. I mean, if you truly want to vote, then take the steps to be eligible to vote and acquire a photo ID. It's not hard to get one. Well, depending on how you far you live from where you, go take, how far you live from the offices well, there's that you need DMZs to visit. in every town. Oh, well, just to get a photo ID, you just go to the DMV and there's one in every single county seat. Brady has a DMV. Sometimes how far is it to get so, to the county seat from where you live? It, it Yes, I, and I understand what you're saying, but especially then when for it comes the person, time to vote, you're still going to have to get to the polls. Especially for the person who doesn't have a and driver's license. you can do a lot of it online. Driver's license to begin with. I don't think Texas allows you to do it online. Yeah. Texas, are you allowed to driver's license online. Are you, oh, I mean registering to vote. or So you can. You can. They changed it this year. Okay. Thank you. It was a pain in the ass, but they did change it. All and right. Thank, thank God for COVID because that's why it was changed. Well, I right. will agree. I'm not strongly agreeing because I totally see, like, in a perfect world where everybody that was a legal voter had a photo ID, I would say, like, yeah, go ahead and check the ID. Everyone has one. Try to remember it when you go to the polls. And if you forget it, then you can't vote. But the fact that there are huge swaths of people in this country that don't have photo ID just feels like we're now telling them that they can't vote. And we're setting hurdles in front of them to make it harder to vote. And it's like, we shouldn't be making it harder for people to vote. We should be helping them to vote. And if voter fraud were legitimately, legitimately like an issue where we're seeing all these cases of voter fraud, then it would be time to kind of crack down on it. Be like a lot of people are impersonating other people, but from everything we can see, that's not the case. If it were the case, I would be, I would be all for like, let's tighten things up again. But right now I think the problem is not voter fraud. I think it's 
disenfranchisement of legal voters who are not able to vote because they don't have the proper identification. I, I was reading ahead a little bit, and I'm well, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to go to war with this guy here in a second. Oh, man. Uh, religious liberty is at risk in the United States. I strongly agree. But is it is it Christianity? I, I don't necessarily think. I, I don't necessarily think it's at risk. Uh, I mean, our our country was founded on Christianity. Mm. It's it's how much it was uh, a lot. Of, I mean, the, I mean the early, our current our currency says in God we trust. That is true. I mean, yes, I believe, <clears throat> but it was also said that the freedom of religion. We have freedom of if if I wanted to be an atheist or if I wanted to be a Satan worshiper. I have that right. But I think and because I, that that's, was, that's that was what like I the, do, it shouldn't be taken away from me. The separation of church and state is what establishes the freedom of religion, meaning that the government wants no business of religion. Your religion is your business. The government's business is trying to maintain this country for everybody to live prosperously and peacefully and protect everybody's rights to the best of their abilities. And your religion, that's a you thing. That's not an us thing. Like, that's not a government thing. You worry about you and your religion. Well, then the Supreme Court should have never heard about the Pledge of Allegiance being said in school because an atheist didn't like it. It said one nation under God. This country was founded to be one nation under God. You know they added so, that in the 50s, right? I don't care when they added it. But <laughs> it's not wrong. That's what this country was. That's what the forefathers based this, based it on. And I don't know. I do think it's at risk, and I'm not saying just Christianity's at risk. I think it's all at risk. I don't think we'll ever see to where we're one country that is just one religion, and we're forced to be that religion. I don't think we'll ever see that. So I guess I want to agree to disagree with that, because I, I think that the the question in itself is kind of misleading that's another thing about this questionnaire is the questions do lead you in a direction they're leading questions uh, keep, the, the way that they're phrased yes and, and you explain that because i'm taking a well let's just go to the next question human life begins oh. all right human life begins at conception and deserves legal protection at every stage until natural death i think this is one of those uh, black and white areas <laughs> Legal protection. I mean, I I feel like it deserves legal protection from the third trimester until death. Up then, up until then, it's not very human. It's gonna be human. It's gonna. So here, here's my thing. I I think that just because you get knocked up and you don't want the kid, you are a willing participant in what caused you to conceive that child. This is a hard one because... Well, does this mean just at the beginning, cases of rape is totally different? Yes, and I think, I think abortion, when it involves rape or incest, I, I think that should be perfectly legal. I just... All right, so this I'm is a case saying, of consensual... I'm not saying abortion... Right. I'm, I'm not saying abortion <laughs> should be illegal. I just don't particularly believe in it if you were a consenting individual that had sex and got pregnant. If you don't want that child, have that child. And I understand it's your body. I get that, but have that child and put it up for adoption because there are millions of people that cannot have children that want children that would make great parents. 
So if, if I don't we know, that, that, that's a, a shortage. One. Oh, totally. If we had a shortage of children, then I could see that. But we have so many foster facilities with children who are just like not wanted. Like that. That's that's I where get it gets it. tough. I mean, like there are kids that can be adopted, and you just don't want that kid. You want a different kid that looks more like you. And well, well, I yes asking no, someone to carry want... a child for nine months. To, I don't know. Yeah, asking I someone mean, to carry I, I a child that. for nine nine months is kind of hard. Like we don't we don't know what that process is like, and I assume that it's a huge drag on your body, and it basically takes up your year, maybe more than a year. <laughs> <laughs> it's it kind of like 2020. It, it gets it's really like, hectic. It's like in 2020. Last, it's like that. The last two months. It's like that is year really shot. Hectic. Oh, you would know. Yeah. So you've seen that process yes. a few times. All right. So let's let's just yeah, not even yeah. touch that one. <laughs> oh, man, <I'm> like, <laughs> Yeah, some of these are like, we're putting a pin in that. This is just sort of like the the getting the lay of the landscape. So, Free enterprise and the right to private property turn mankind's natural self-interest into the most productive economic system there is. Basically, this question is like capitalism versus socialism. You capitalist, right? Right. <laughs> and I feel like uh, everybody would say yes to this, but it's supposed to be a dig at quote unquote socialists. Yeah. But yes, even a socialist, a, a democratic socialist like Bernie Sanders would look at this question and say free enterprise and the right to private property turn mankind's natural self-interest into most product- the most productive economic system. Yes, it produces a lot. Does it promote inequality and create a lot of injustice? Yeah. And that's why we regulate right. it. That's what the role of government is to rein in complete capitalistic tendencies. Exactly. So but that's for another question. We yes. agree on that one. There should be a strict constitutional spending limit for state and local governments that would tie the rate of spending to the rate of population growth plus the rate of inflation. Some of these get in the get, get into the weeds a little bit. <laughs> you think? <laughs> I don't know what that one means. I mean, some of these we yeah, can probably let's skip. skip that one. The, the, this next this one we agree where on. I, this is where we're agreeing ahead, and we are both <laughs> in disagreement with. Mr. Sheffield on this one. Marijuana should be legalized and regulated like tobacco and alcohol. Scott and Carl absolutely agree. strongly, without a doubt, agree. And our current representative strongly disagrees. Uh, so yeah, so that's where you would you you're if you were making your attack ad against Mr. Sheffield, because you haven't really agreed disagreed with him too much, you would be like, Congressman Sheffield wants to arrest you for your marijuana. What are you going to do about that? And then he would he would hit you though with like he wants to set criminals in free. Carl's in Carl's McCullough <laughs> County, everybody's high all the time, just lighting up all over town. Even school children, elementary school children, will be in classrooms smoking blunts. Is that what you want? It would be the coolest county in the state. <laughs> oh. Uh, Judeo-Christian values established a framework of morality which permitted our system of limited government. Sure. I mean, I don't... Some of these are like... Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. The founders established pure... Oh, this one is worded interesting. The founders established pure democracy in the Constitution because they believed that it is the best form of government to ensure the safety and equitable treatment of all citizens. This is him saying we're not a de- we're not a pure democracy we're a republic. Fine. Right. But <laughs> and and where I have issue with this question is the government has done almost zero 
to ensure set the safety and equitable treatment of all citizens. Otherwise, we'd have never had the civil rights movement of the 60s. We wouldn't have what's going on today. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, the idea behind our government, I guess, was to put us in a, in a position to be able to right those wrongs so that, you know, when you give the voice to the people, hopefully down the road, they make better and better choices to treat each other more humanely and justly. Well, we're, we're not going to make it through all of these. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, well, I, listeners. I think we should get to this one for sure. All right. Are there any others jumping off the page at you? What are so business there? owners should be required by law to bake cakes, provide flower arrangements, etc., for same-sex weddings, even when these activities would infringe on their sincerely held religious beliefs. What are your thoughts on that? I'm not going to say strongly agree, but I am going to say agree because it, you're really running a fine line there if you're going to start allowing people to just – I mean – the word discriminate is appropriate here, I think. You're discriminating against people based on their sexual orientation. They walk into your cake shop and you're not refusing service because they're not wearing a shirt and not wearing shoes or because they're being, I don't know, they're drunk and obnoxious. You're refusing service because they're gay. And if you put that in a different context and say they walked in and you're refusing service because they're black or you're refusing service for some other reason, like discrimination is kind of the word there. And I hate the fact that your religion tells you that you should discriminate against these people. I would say like, maybe read the Bible again, like listen to Jesus a little bit more. Cause he like doesn't address it at all out of all the important stuff. The man had to say zero of it had to do with homosexuality. <laughs> so like I would say, take it to your pastor and do it out of the kindness of your heart. But yes, I do think you should be required to treat to not discriminate based on sexual No, you're right. It, it is a form of discrimination, and that alone makes it wrong. Now, if you can come up with some other reason to refuse the service that's not discriminate, uh, discriminate, discriminating against, then yeah, but I don't know. I, and I know that, yeah, I'm sure that I mean, that's right. what they would and, do. And, and to me, that's fine because... It is what it is, but you shouldn't be denied something because you're gay or because you're black or because you're Mexican or because you're white, for that matter. Or because you're Carl. I've been denied a lot because my name's Carl. So the other one that I wanted to get to that I just saw is physician-assisted suicide should be legal. I agree with that. Uh, I think that there should be a lot of ropes that you have to go through, but if you really are in pain, it's like... Who are you to force somebody to have to endure that? But I, but there should be a lot of requirements and steps to make sure that you 100% are of sound mind and have exercised every other option. I 100% agree with you on this one. Uh, you know, have, have steps, have counseling, have six months of therapy that you have to go to. And But, yeah, I mean – you shouldn't just be able to, Joe Schmo shouldn't just be able to walk in off the street because he's had a bad day and, hey, doc, I want to kill myself. Give me some pills. I, I, mm-hmm. I think you, you hit the nail on the head. There, there needs to be a lot of steps to go through, I'd say, at least up to a year. And that's where we disagree with this guy, too. There's a funny one here. Islamic law, Sharia, does not pose a threat to the United States and its constitution. I'm, and he strongly agrees I'm, that it does not pose a threat, which, I mean, I have the yes. same stance. I think it's funny that that's even a question. It's almost like well, a double it, negative. It goes back up to it earlier where we were talking about religion. Uh, 
freedom of religion. It doesn't matter what religion you are. No, it doesn't pose a threat. Why would it pose a threat? That that just yeah. <laughs> oh, but these well, are fun to look at. Just government because, should define but, marriage as between one man and one woman. No other definition of marriage should be legalized or supported with public funds. And he strongly agrees. Yeah, I think that that's still the. Even though they don't say it out loud, they still are playing to the anti anti gay LGBTQ community. Now, There's a lot of voters that still don't support same sex no, marriage. It's it's not that I support it, but I'm not against it. If you love somebody, you love somebody, and you should be able to to be with that person. And if y'all want to get married, great. The thing that I have a problem with, and this might get me in trouble, is the the transgender. If you were born a male, you're a male. If you want to become a woman, go have the sex change. But don't just say, well, I'm a girl because I identify as a girl. That sounds like a topic for next (laughs) week. Because I do think that there's, yeah, biological gender is one thing. But if you can just go get a quote unquote sex change, like what is that even in what that entails? Does how is that that much different to who this person feels like they are? I mean, it's a whole gray area. I don't know the answer. And like going back to a call back to the beginning of the show with what people want to be called, I'll, I'll call people what they want to be called. And that's kind of like my rule with it. So if somebody is like, I identify as female and that's just who I am, as long as you're not switching back and forth all the time, like don't try to keep me guessing. <laughs> <laughs> but, but if you choose, like choose one and try to stick with it and then I'm, I'm fine. And I feel like that's not asking too much. But we hope everybody... Oh, yeah, we have media recommendations. So I watched... uh, And it's a short one. It's six six or eight episodes on Netflix. And it's called Trial 4. And it is in Boston where this cop was murdered. And this guy got life in prison for it. And come to find out, this cop that was murdered, along with the two cops that investigated the murder, were crooked. They were robbing drug dealers. They were, you know, they, they make a drug bus, keep either all or the majority of the money, keep a lot of the drugs. And eventually, I mean, I guess I can go ahead and tell you, he, he did get out or, or he got everything cleared eventually. But he spent, I want to say he was arrested when he was 19 years old and he didn't get out of prison until he was in his 40s. Uh, just just a great eye-opening situation to where you could look at it and and see how much power people have and to me it kind of goes into this whole this is part of the reason people are saying defund the police because you do get these bad apples in there and they do have a lot of power and when it comes down to it who who is the judge or who is a jury going to believe are they going to believe a cop or are they going to believe a drug dealer and uh this this kid had he was convicted on his third trial his first two trials were mistrials because the jury couldn't come to a conclusion and then he was convicted and then he went through this whole process of you know spending more than half of his life in prison before he finally finally was released and i did start last night on the selena series on netflix which i was kind of iffy about even starting it because i've seen the movie i'm from texas i know her story but this one it's a bit different from the movie. Uh, it shows a more intimate side of the inner workings of her family and her her real personality. And it, it, it's a good watch. Yeah, but J Lo's not. In it. She was an excellent I, Selena. She did play a good Selena. 
And I still remember on the original Scott and Carl show when you made me listen to that stupid song she had. I don't even know what it was. Something about love and money. I don't know if you want my love. I don't know what it was. I'm still disappointed about it. I'm still hurt from that. Well, we're always trying to expose each other to new things. And that's why we have this podcast. (laughs) Because now we're forcing it on the listener, too. Somebody's going to agree with me. Uh, oh, hopefully somebody agrees with a, both of us at various times and nobody agrees with us all the That's time. Right. I don't even agree with myself all the time. Uh, I got to recommend a little show, little mini series called Waco on Netflix. Six episode doc, it, not docu-series. Is six this episode the one series. with the dude from Friday Night Lights? Who plays Koresh? Uh, is he in Friday got Night Taylor, Lights? Taylor Kish or... Hold on. I will Google it. He's an excellent actor, the guy who plays Koresh. Um, but you were just talking about uh, the defund the police, and it's one of those yes. in Waco. So I'm I've watching seen this it. <clears throat> I'm watching it, and it's the militarization of the police is a huge – well, it's the FBI in that case, and ATF. But it's crazy to think that they're using tanks – and warlike tactics on American mm-hmm. citizens. And I, I think that's a whole nother episode we could get into. Yeah. I don't agree with everything. I mean, obviously I don't agree with everything David Koresh did. And I, and they start off with the Ruby Ridge um, incident, which I didn't know about growing up, but uh, you could see, see a lot of fault on both sides yeah. there. And yeah, it was, a, I thought it was done well because it really, um, made you see the perspective from well, both sides. And, and um, if I'm correct, this Waco miniseries that you're talking about is done from the perspective of a Branch Davidian survivor. They based it on two books. One book was written by a Branch Davidian survivor and the other one was written by the FBI negotiator. So it's no wonder that both of those two characters came <laughs> off looking incredible. Very likable characters. But yes, <clears throat> And I, had I, I will little, agree with you. Watch, I watch. A, yeah. I had a little problem with towards the end with once the fire started and they were like, David Koresh is trying his hardest to like move furniture out of the way to help the women and children get out of the cellar or get out of the, the freezer where they were trapped. Uh, I don't think any of that's confirmed. I think that was all kind of all made up. But. So yeah, just leave that out because I don't actually believe unless there's evidence to the contrary that, we can just leave that out yeah. of the story. I, and I will say, I think our government was <clears throat> wrong in a lot of areas on Waco on, and on what happened there. And mm-hmm. like I said, I, I think that's, I think we could probably talk for two or three hours on Ruby Ridge and Waco and, you know. Oh. All right, folks, <laughs> next, next week, we're going to have Ruby Ridge and Take Waco a step back in time. Yeah. So, and, uh, absolutely. I think that's about it. So, like I said a couple of <laughs> couple of shows ago, and I forgot to do it last week. So, make it a good day or not. Choice is yours. I'm sticking with that one. It's relevant. You heard it here last. <laughs> I like that one. That's I like that mine. one. <laughs> All right, folks. All right, everybody. Until next time. Uh, we'll see you next week. <laughs>